Hey y'all, welcome back to Healthy and Then Happy, where anything goes, but I mainly talk about the importance of prioritizing your overall health, nutrition, and training in order to live your happiest life every day. So I apologize for not having an episode uploaded last week, and the reason for that is because I was competing in WRPF National Championship Powerlifting Meet last week in Las Vegas. So that was super exciting. Um, That was on Friday. And so I left to go to Las Vegas on Wednesday and I was weighing in Thursday and I just, I was packing and planning for the week and I just did not have a chance to plan and record a podcast episode. I had the intentions of doing it and I just, things got crazy. Wasn't able to get an episode out. So I apologize for that. But here we are again with another week and I'm super excited for this episode. So just in honor of me competing in nationals and just finishing doing that, something that's heavily on my mind. And while I was trying to think of a topic for this week, all I could really think about was powerlifting and talking about my powerlifting journey. And this episode is going to be about mentioning my powerlifting journey and kind of a little bit of a meat recap of nationals. But also I wanted to give some like advice. So this episode is going to be about a beginner's guide to powerlifting. So how to get started in powerlifting, if that's something that you want to do, tips for beginners, tips for your first meet, and um, things to know before you start powerlifting. I thought that that would be something super helpful because um, I remember whenever I first decided I was going to start powerlifting and I went home and I was watching all different types of YouTube videos on how to get into powerlifting and tips for your first meet and things like that. So I thought I would Uh, make an episode about it because I do get asked that a lot and as someone who didn't start powerlifting that long ago it's been almost two years now I still do feel like I am a bit of a beginner so a lot of those tips and things that I wish I knew when I started are pretty fresh on my mind so first I'll start with just my meat recap from nationals most of you probably already saw it on Instagram or maybe TikTok I posted my meat recap pretty much everywhere so um I'll just go ahead and uh, dive into that and then we'll get into the real topic of the episode Um, but it was, like I said, WRPF national championship meet. I competed in the 52 kilogram weight class. So that's 114 and under, um, I competed in drug tested. I weighed in at 111 pounds. So that's my lowest weigh in yet in all the meets that I've done. Um, my best squat of the day was 292. My best bench of the day was 154. And my best deadlift of the day was 352. So I finished with a 798 total. So I was just two pounds short of the 800 pound total. So I was a little bummed about that. But I did get the dot score that was like my minimum goal that I wanted to set at nationals. And that was a 450 dots. So that was huge for me. Um, I got first place in junior in my weight class. And I got second place in open. Um, I set five national records and eight state records. Um, And also, I want to mention, not that it matters, but I only got second place by three kilograms. So it was about six pounds under the girl that beat me um, on our total. And like we, in fact, we were so close in our totals that because I weighed in lower than her, I actually had a higher dot score than her. So like, even though, I mean, that doesn't matter because I didn't win. But um, yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting just how close, how neck and neck we were. So that did make it a really fun meet. Um, I really liked uh, meeting and talking to the girls in my weight class. I had a great time. It was an amazing production. WRPF did an amazing job putting this meet on. There was a red carpet for our third deadlift attempts, which was so cool. I've never seen anything like that. And they had sparklers shooting out of these machines, like whenever you were going for record attempts and stuff, just awesome production. It was great. I had so much fun. 
And I actually had someone ask me yesterday what my numbers were at my first meet versus what my numbers were at this meet. So like how far have I basically come in almost two years of powerlifting? And I, I looked back and my very first meet was in November of 2021 and I totaled 639 and this time I totaled 798. So I put on a good amount of weight on my total in just less than two years and I'm feeling really proud and I thought it was really fun to actually look back at those numbers. So that actually moves me into the topic of the episode and just the whole beginner's guide to becoming a powerlifter and doing your first powerlifting meet. Um, so I'll say how I got into powerlifting, it was kind of unexpected. Like I had been lifting for almost three years at the time, just working out. And I always had squats in my training program, but I didn't bench much and I didn't deadlift much. But I had started deadlifting some. The gym that I went to at my college was not our rec center because the rec center that we have at um, University of Alabama is honestly crappy. University of Alabama, if you're listening to this, we need a new rec center. It sucks. (laughs) But so everyone at Alabama goes to Crunch, which is a commercial gym, and it's just insanely crowded. It's like if you think about your university's rec center and how crowded it is, take that to a commercial gym because that everyone goes to Crunch. It's just insanely crowded. So I needed to find a new gym that was less crowded. So I found a gym that was about 15 minutes away from where I lived, 15 minutes off campus, and it was called Strong Inc. I didn't really know it at the time whenever I first like joined, but it's a powerlifting gym. Like everyone there pretty much for the most part is a powerlifter. Um, it's a small family owned gym. One of those gyms where they've got a board on the wall with everyone's top lifts in their weight class and stuff. So obviously powerlifting gym. And I felt a little left out. I mean, like, honestly, I got there and I realized I was like, dang, all these people powerlift. I was like, I need to be in the in crowd because, I mean, everyone there was friends. I could tell they're all friends. and I want to be part of that. It looks like a great time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start benching. I'm going to start deadlifting. I'm going to start powerlifting. So one day I just walked up to the front desk when the owner of the gym was working and I said, hey, I want to start powerlifting, but I have no idea where to start. Do you have a coach that you recommend? Um, and he directed me to one of his friends who coached me for about a year, a little over a year. And um, But anyway, I, I signed up for my first meet and I competed in my first meet. So like that was within about two months of deciding I was going to powerlift. I did a pretty short prep and signed up and just went for it. And it was, it was a great time. I was so glad that I did it. And I'm obviously still doing it now. So it became something that's a very big part of my life and a really awesome decision that I made that changed my life for the better. So that's my story. Now I'll get into my advice and tips for anyone that is looking to start powerlifting. If you follow someone on social media, maybe it's me and you see me doing powerlifting and competing and you're like, I really want to do that. I really want to try it, but I have no idea where to start. Here is the little guide that I've come up with for you. So I will say that the very first thing that you need to decide if you are wanting to start powerlifting is which federation you want to compete in. So I'll give you guys just a little bit of information about this and kind of how I decided. So honestly, I didn't really decide. 
I didn't know there were multiple federations. I didn't really know anything about that, but here I am giving you advice, so now you know. But there are a few different federations, and they have different rules. Some are more popular in some states than others, and some have different, like, national-level, world-level meets that they can feed into. And there's a lot of factors that go into play in just, like, each federation offers and where it's offered. It's the same basic concept. You're doing squat, bench, and deadlift in every federation at the end of the day powerlifting is powerlifting so it's not that big of a deal what federation you pick but I'll give you guys kind of like a guide of how to pick which one so the number one deciding factor for why I initially chose USPA that's United States Powerlifting Association when I started powerlifting was because the owner of my gym was a USPA meet director my coach was also a USPA meet director and everyone at my gym who did powerlifting other than maybe one or two people competed in the USPA. So in the state of Alabama, USPA is just was the most popular federation at the time when I started powerlifting. And so that was really the only option. Um, I'll say that USAPL, which is another powerlifting federation, is probably the most popular federation overall in all of the United States. But USAPL does not have a lot of presence in Alabama itself so like I checked and USAPL had maybe two meets all of last year in the state of Alabama and no one at my gym other than maybe one person actually competes in USAPL so it's like you know where your community and your friends are competing is kind of where you're going to want to go and maybe what has the most presence in your state is maybe where you'll want to go because if your state has two options for one federation in a whole year to compete. What are the odds that those weekends will line up for when you, you know, need to compete or like whatever. But um, if there's another federation that's running eight to 10 meets a year, that pro that federation probably has a bigger presence and you're going to have more options for competing. You'll probably, um, there's probably more people at those meets and just a bigger community for powerlifting. So it, a lot of it is geographical, depends on what federation you do. And I did mention that USPA was the most popular federation in my state. Now it's WRPF, which is World Raw Powerlifting Federation. Um, there was a little bit of a falling out between the federations uh, or for USPA. There was a lot of like, you know, just like some corruption type things with the leadership. So, um, you know, it didn't have really anything to do with most state meet directors. My state meet director didn't really have anything to do with it. But once all that happened, he pulled away and he decided to be a meet director for the WRPF. And he is one of the main meet directors in the state of Alabama. So the state of Alabama, for the most part, shifted to WRPF, if that makes sense. So it's kind of just wherever your meet directors are and whatever federation the most effort in your state is put into, that's going to be just the easiest federation to um, start competing in and start get by getting involved in. Now, if you're lucky and you live in a state where powerlifting is just very popular and pretty much every federation has a presence there, then you have options. So, like, I didn't have that many of, of options. I didn't really know there were options when I started competing. But um, I know Ohio is a random example, but I know, like, Ohio and Texas, they have big powerlifting federation or big powerlifting presences. So they have options for pretty much every federation in those states. So USAPL, USPA, WRPF, Powerlifting America, they're all popular there. So now I'll tell you like kind of some of the rules and some of the differences between the federations so you can make a decision based on that if you do have multiple options for what federation to start competing at in a local meet. So I'll say as far as the rules go and the equipment that's used, USAPL and Powerlifting America are pretty similar and USPA and WRPF are pretty similar. So when I say equipment is similar, I mean, on deadlift, 
for uh, USPA and WRPF, you use a deadlift bar, which is a little bit longer. It has a different knurling. It gives a little bit more um, slack. So like it bends a little more whenever you pull um, a deadlift. And then also for squat, we use a squat bar, which is 55 pounds. It's a little bit thicker and a little bit longer. I personally don't love the squat bar, but I do like being able to use a deadlift bar. In USAPL and Powerlifting America, they use the standard power bar for all of their lifts. So the same bar that you would use on bench, you use on deadlift, and you use on squat. So that's one of the major differences is the bars that we use. USPA and WRPF do get to use specialty bars, whereas USAPL and Powerlifting America do not. Another really big difference is the drug testing. So USAPL and Powerlifting America are known for being fully tested federations. That means that every meet is a drug tested meet. Every athlete can be drug tested in and out of season. Um, The drug testing is very strict in USAPL and Powerlifting America, whereas USPA and WRPF, they get to make their own decision based on the meet. So you'll find drug tested meets and you'll find untested meets. So in those federations, you do find people who are enhanced athletes But if you're competing in a drug-tested meet, you should, as long as people are not, you know, cheating, you're going to find cheaters in any federation. It does not matter. There are always going to be people cheating the rules. But for the most part, if you compete in a drug-tested meet, you're competing against all natural, not enhanced lifters. So you can definitely find your space for tested, not enhanced athletes in any federation. But USAPL, Powerlifting America, is entirely drug-tested. So you will not find any... Again, people can cheat, but for you shouldn't find any enhanced lifters in those federations. As far as um, equipment goes, like things like knee sleeves and wrist wraps and the shoes you can wear and the belts you can use, for the most part, all the federations have a pretty wide range of options for the equipment that you can use and most brands are allowed. I would, however, when you decide what federation to do, make sure you check their rule book and make sure that all of your equipment is allowed in that federation so there's there's really not one federation that permits more like equipment or gear than the other um i do know that uspa does allow you to use elbow sleeves on squats and usapl does not but i actually don't know that many people who use elbow sleeves on their uh, squats so i don't think that's a huge difference One thing that is a big difference is the weigh-in period. And this one is something that people in USPA and WRPF take a lot of advantage of is they have 24-hour weigh-ins. So you will always weigh in 24 hours before you compete, so the day before you have weigh-ins. But for uh, USAPL and Powerlifting America, you have two-hour weigh-ins. So if your meet starts at 9, you weigh in at 7 a.m. that morning. So that being said, you will have a better chance at if you decide to like cut weight for your meet, Uh, That's going to be a lot (laughs) done a lot more helpfully because you can recomp if you have a 24 hour weigh in. Um, But then on the flip side of that in USAPL and powerlifting America, you'll be competing against less people who are trying to cut as much weight because, you know, with a two hour weigh in, you don't have as much time to recomp. So kind of uh, there's pros and cons to both of those. I do like doing the 24 hour weigh in, though. And then there's a couple of really minor rule differences that I actually think are kind of annoying from the USAPL because, you know, like I said, USAPL is probably the biggest overall federation um, and a lot of the most competitive powerlifters do compete in USAPL, but I do find some of their rules to be weird and annoying. For example, in USPA and WRPF, when you bench, you can have your heels up, like you can bench on your toes. Um, When you're like getting leg drive, you can kind of have your feet 
on the ground and not your heels don't have to be touching the ground. But in USAPL, your foot has to be entirely flat on the ground. So that's just one rule that like, in my opinion, the, the way your feet are positioned on the bench is just, you know, person to person preference and neither one really gives an advantage over the other. So I think it's an odd rule. And another thing that USAPL actually just implemented is they took away all the different grips that you can do on bench and squat. So I would have to read the rule book to like make sure of like exactly what the rule is. But um, like you can't have, I think they call it talon grip. You can't do that on the squat. It's like where your, I think it's like where your pinky and your thumb are around the bar different than your hand, like than the rest of your hand is. And like on bench, like basically you can't grip the bar in any other way than your thumb wrapped around one way and your finger dropped, like, you know, just the typical way that you would grab a bar. So I think that's just so weird there's no advantage to gripping the bar differently on a squat and honestly for the most part a bench either like you know like I think they call it like suicide grip the way that people don't wrap their thumb around the bar you can no longer do that it's it's just weird I don't think there's an advantage to that so I think it's weird to make a rule about that there's people who have trained for a certain way for a very long time and now are going to have to make like a really weird minor change to their form just because they decided to add a rule just odd to me so for the most part like I, I just feel like USAPL in general is more commonly adding weird rules like that whereas USPA and WRPF pretty much stick to their standard rule book and they don't add weird specifications to their rule book so that's nice and then just to give like a little bit of context into what the world level national level looks like for the federations um so USAPL used to feed into the IPF and the IPF is like the top level for competing at the world level of powerlifting um, it's, it's like if powerlifting had the Olympics or like if the Olympics was in the power, blah, 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 if powerlifting was in the Olympics, but it's not. So it's like the IPF world stage is kind of like that. Um, however, USAPL used to feed into the IPF and then they broke off of each other. So now powerlifting America feeds into the IPF. So you've got to qualify through a powerlifting America meet before you can compete in an IPF meet. Um, there's another world level federation, the IPL. That's the International Powerlifting League. And that is fed into by USPA. I've competed in a world-level IPL meet. It was great. Um, I competed in an untested IPL world-level meet because the drug-tested one was in Australia and the tested one was in the United States. So that was just more convenient for me. Um, now I compete in the WRPF, which doesn't feed into a world-level federation. And USAPL people compete in a federation that now doesn't feed into a world level federation. So things have just changed a lot and it seems like they're constantly changing. So it's it's very interesting to watch. But at the end of the day, like I said, powerlifting is powerlifting. Um, if I would say just start competing in whatever federation is the most convenient and the most popular in your area so that you can make the most friends and build up a community and also have access to the most meets possible and then you know if you get to the point where you are a world level competitor and you want to be on that IPF world stage just go qualify in a powerlifting america meet so that you can go do it you don't have to make that decision that you know I one day want to compete in the IPF so I'm only going to compete in powerlifting America even though there are no powerlifting America meets anywhere within six hours of me so I mean you can if, if USPA is the closest meets go compete in USPA until you feel like you're at that point where I'm, I'm gonna go for the world stage and that you know so also I would say that every federation that I mentioned has a really great national level presence I've competed in nationals for USPA it was great I've competed in nationals for WRPF. It was awesome. It was so cool, so fun. 
And then I've watched USAPL national meets and they are also a really great production. And I think it's really cool how USAPL does collegiate meets. So if you go to a college that has a uh, collegiate powerlifting team, that is a really cool and seems to be a really fun uh, meet and environment and people to be involved with in powerlifting. So like I said, it's all about what's convenient for you, what works well for you. A lot of it is just going to be based on what your area has access to. And if you have access to it all, do you want to use a stiff bar for every lift? Or do you want to be able to use a deadlift bar on deadlifts and a squat bar on squats? Um, Another thing is that in WRPF, you can use a monolift for squats. Or some meets have a monolift for squats. Some people don't like to walk their squats out. And you can do that in WRPF, but you have an option. I compete in WRPF and I do walk my squats out. Um, each, it's it's just weird. Each federation has their own little quirks that are different than the other one. I think one day, like looking at the future of powerlifting, I think one day all the federations are just going to have to eventually join into one. Like everyone's just going to have to come to a consensus and there's going to be one obvious leading federation and it's going to be become the most popular everywhere because that's pretty much how every sport is. You know, when you think about football, there's the NFL. You know, eventually... There's going to have to be some sort of a consensus. But as of right now, there's so many options for competing in powerlifting. So pick your poison. Step two, once you've decided what federation to compete in, if you don't already have some sort of powerlifting gear, you'll want to maybe get a belt and knee sleeves and maybe wrist wraps to wear when you compete. You'll want to pick what type of lifting shoe you want to use. I wear flats on deadlift and on squat. Some people like to get a squat heel doesn't really matter. Just make sure that the equipment that you're getting is legal and it it can be used and it meets regulation standards for the federation that you're competing in. So that's why it's important to pick your federation first, maybe before you start investing in expensive powerlifting equipment so that you know that you can use it when you compete. And all that information will always be in that federation's rule book. Another thing that I'll add in here, but I would consider to be completely optional, but it will help you Um, with basically the rest of the steps is getting a coach. So you don't have to get a coach to compete in powerlifting. I know plenty of people who compete and don't have a coach. I know plenty of people who jump into their first meet without a coach. But I will say that in powerlifting, it is a lot easier to have a coach because when you come to questions like things like, oh, I don't know if this is legal. I don't know if, you know, if you have just like a different question, like something simple as far as like, oh, my feet have been sliding when I bench. Is that against the rules for my feet to slide when I bench? Just asking a coach, they probably know the rule book a lot better than you do. And instead of having to scour a rule book for the rules, you know, just like simple questions that you come to, a coach will be able to answer. They'll help you be able to get ready for your meet and make sure that you're checking all the boxes for the things that you need to do as you get closer to a meet and throughout your entire prep. And just in general, basically every point that I'm about to continue to give you, a coach will be able to tell you and answer questions as you come to them. So that is just, like I said, optional. But even me, been doing powerlifting for two years and I have a coach and I probably will never not have a coach. And pretty much everyone that I know has a coach or someone to program them. It is just the easiest way to do it. You're more likely to stick to your protocol and your plan and Um, it kind of just gives you a little bit more accountability having a coach and someone else to see it with a fresh set of eyes, um, an external vision over, you know, just like the goal, like someone else who can see it from a different perspective, because you tend to be a little bit more objective whenever it comes to your own self and your own goals and the own, like the thing that you need to do yourself. Um, you may be more critical on yourself than you should be. And a coach will be able to kind of bring you back down to the ground and tell you, and speak a little bit more reality into your situation, I guess you could say. 
I'll say at this point, since I did mention that it's optional to have a coach, if you don't get a coach, you should at least go like find some type of an online powerlifting training program for leading up to a meet because it is important to structure your training in a way that can allow you to be peaked on the week of the meet. So um, any type of just online powerlifting program is better than nothing to help you get your strength peaked and tapered and ready to compete in a meet because you want to be in your best condition on meet day you don't want to be extremely fatigued you want to recover properly before you compete but you also want to make sure that you've hit lifts in the gym that you need to hit in order to feel confident on the platform and to be able to do and perform to the best of your ability so obviously a coach would do that for you but if you do not want to get a coach then that's whenever I would recommend just going online finding some type of an online powerlifting meet prep program and follow that. Another thing is you want to decide what weight class you're going to compete in. So the weight class categories, you can just look those up online, like what, especially whatever your federation is, they might be a little different from federation to federation, but for the most part, they're pretty similar weight classes, but you want to look up which weight class you fall under. And for your first meet, I would say do not cut weight. So for example, going into my very first meet, I weighed about 113 pounds. So I competed in the weight class 114 and under. Um, eventually over time I gained a little bit of weight and I had to cut down for a few of my meats, but I would say don't cut for your first one. Just compete wherever you're at because you don't want to feel weaker than normal by cutting weight leading into your first meat. And you also want to like eliminate those factors that are varying factors. So like the variables, you want to cut those out. So something like if you're training around 150 pounds, you don't want to try to cut to under 140 for your meat because that adds in just another variable You might feel weaker at a lighter weight and also the fact that you've been eating less for the weeks leading up to the meet and you won't have your best performance because there's a lot of things like especially nerves and just inexperience that are at play during your first meet. So you don't want to be coming into it at your weakest state by cutting weight. So I would say, and I think everyone else will recommend, do not cut weight for your first meet. Even if down the road you think you'll be more competitive, more competitive at a lower weight class that's fine you can cut weight for one of those meets later down the road but don't do it for your first meet another thing is to start practicing your lifts with commands in the gym so this may not be something that you know but in a powerlifting meet there are commands so for your squat they tell you when to start the squat they say squat and then there's no like pause you don't pause at the bottom they're not going to tell you to come up but they just say squat and then you squat. You have to squat to depth. Your The crease of your hip has to go below the top of the knee joint. And that is what is considered depth. And then you have to come up. And before you rack the bar, you have to wait for the rack command. So it'll be squat. You squat down, pass depth, come up. And then you have to wait for the rack command. Rack the bar. And then that is how you get three white lights on a squat. For bench, you will be given a start command so you can start your bench press and then you have to pause on your chest until the bar is motionless and then you will be given a press command and then at that point you can press the bar up and then you have to wait for the rack command after you lock out and then you can put the bar back on the rack so um oh and then for deadlift you just they don't give you a start command or anything you just walk up to the bar when they say the platform is ready you pick it up and then you have to hold it until they tell you to put it down so there's just one command for deadlift and it's down So there are just a few specifications and rules to how like the standard that the lift has to be at and also commands. So you want to practice. That's again, another thing, read the rule book, or if you have a coach, they'll help you with that. But just, you want to make sure that your lifts are to competition standard before you, like you don't want the first time that you ever try lifting to competition standard or lifting with commands to be your very first time stepping on the platform. You want to have just a little bit of experience with that before you do it. 
Another thing is that you will probably miss a few commands at your first meet. If you don't, I am very proud of you. I missed commands at my first meet and I knew they were coming. It's just inevitable because you're nervous and you have never done it before. That's okay. Just try to focus on not missing commands and you will have a much more successful day. I was very frustrated myself because I got some lifts that I was excited to get, but I missed commands. I, you know, jumped the press command on bench. I jumped the rack command on bench. And it's like, dang, I benched that. And I know I'm strong enough, but you don't get the lift. So it's very important to practice that. Another thing that I would say is if you do have an opportunity to go watch a local meet before you compete in your first one, that will be so very beneficial. I wish I had gone to do that. I, I definitely watched my share of like powerlifting meet recap videos on YouTube. So I felt like I had some sort of an idea of what I was getting into, but I had never actually gone to a powerlifting meet. And I think that would have been super helpful to see how it's ran and um, just kind of see the commands and people actually lifting you know in person live and then as far as picking the attempts that you're going to make on the platform I would say if you have a coach they'll definitely give you their own advice on this and tell you what to do but if you don't have a coach I would say for your openers because you get three attempts on each lift squat bench and deadlift each have three attempts and you want to be able to do something for your openers that you know you can get a number on the board. Because, you know, if you don't get a number on the board, then you bomb out of the meet and your lifts don't count at all. So something that you know you can do, a lot of people say something you know you can do for about three reps. Something you're very confident that you can get. Um, but it's still a, a big number for you. Like, you don't want to open with, like, I mean, you know, if you can squat 225 pounds, you don't want to go out there and open with 100 pounds. But you'll need to decide those ahead of time and... I would say in your training, you want to hit those numbers at least once in the gym. Maybe the week before the meet, you want to be able to hit those openers in the gym with commands. And that is a definitely a best practice thing, no matter who your coach is and what your training protocol looks like. That's something you definitely want to do at some point in prep is definitely hit your openers in the gym right before the meet. Not right before, like not the day before, but like the week leading up. And then I would say one of my last pieces of advice for this is to look at this from the perspective of this is your first meet of many. Like, don't just think of it as like, this is my first meet. This is my debut. I've got to have a perfect meet. And don't have the attitude of like, I don't want to compete until I'm this amount of strong. Like, I want to have this number of a total in the gym before I ever do my first meet. You want to look at this more like, this is my first of many. You want to be able to look at back at this whenever you're two years, five years in and say, oh, look how funny that is. My, my numbers from my first meet. Look how far I've come. Um, you want to just do this for the experience you want to do it for like this is fun you're having fun you're getting started you're a beginner think of it from the perspective of yourself two years down the road whenever you're so much better and how you're going to look at look back on it and think about how you were when you were just a beginner and I think that that's a good attitude that will change your perspective and I kind of wish someone had told me that going into it because I put a lot of pressure on myself at my first meet I was like putting the pressure on myself of like, I've got to get these numbers or else I didn't do good. This is so important. This is like do or die. And it's just not like that. Like there's going to be so many more meets to come and you're going to do so much better in pretty much every meet. I mean, for your first three meets, I would say you're probably going to hit PRs on every lift each meet. Like you, your first meet, the numbers you hit at your second meet versus your first meet are probably going to be drastically different. And it may not even be because you increase so much in strength, but just experience on the platform. It grows as you continue to compete. So just keep that in mind. This isn't just the first and most important meet. This is the first of many meets. So these are just a few pieces of advice of things that, A, I wish I had known leading into my first meet and whenever I first started powerlifting, and B, things that are just 
important things to know whenever you're deciding to compete and you start prepping for your first meet. I will say that the powerlifting community is one of the most supportive things that I've ever been a part of. I was a three-sport athlete in high school. I've been a part of lots of different teams. And powerlifting, you know, it is an individualized sport, but I would say that it is the one of the most supportive things that I've ever been a part of. Like being at a meet, especially at my first meet, I remember being in the warm-up room, having no idea really even how to warm up for going out there on the platform for the first time and people were helping me people were so nice they were so supportive even people there actually wasn't anyone in my weight class in my first meet but I have had a people in my weight class obviously in other meets and even people in my weight class that I'm technically competing against are extremely supportive everyone wants you to succeed no one's watching you thinking gosh I hope they fail because for the most part in powerlifting most people want to win because they are stronger than you they don't want to win just because you messed up so nobody's watching you thinking gosh I hope they fail this so I can win I mean you know maybe in a very high level meet maybe they're watching and it's down to the nitty-gritty and it's like that but I know every time I've competed against someone and we were pretty close in numbers and I was watching their lifts I wasn't sitting there thinking gosh I hope they fail this I was like I hope they hit this so I can pick a higher number and go out there and try to pull back for the win again you know so it's very competitive, but it's also very fun, and the community is extremely supportive, and it's one of the best things that I've ever been a part of. So if you are thinking about getting into powerlifting and starting powerlifting, I wish you so much luck on your journey. It is so fun, probably one of the best decisions you'll ever make. I'll also say that I think powerlifting is one of the most inclusive sports. You know, you've got men and women. You've got all different types of weight classes, and it's also broken down into age groups. So uh, up until 23 years old, you can compete in junior or open and then once you hit 30 you can start competing in I believe masters maybe it's 40 for masters not exactly sure but um I just think it's very um inclusive anyone and everyone can do powerlifting and the community is awesome so that's really all that I had for this episode not a huge huge topic of discussion or a ton of information I'm throwing at you guys this week but still trying to bounce back and recover just I mean being off of work and catching up on coaching and client stuff and social media and posting meet recaps and just everything there is to coming back from traveling from my meet. So I've been extremely busy, but I did definitely want to get an episode out this week since I skipped last week. So I hope this is helpful and I hope you all enjoyed and I hope that anyone who is looking into getting into powerlifting found this to be some good advice and I wish you luck in your upcoming competition. Bye y'all.